Well, good morning and welcome into MomQ this morning. I'm so excited that you guys are joining us. And this morning's topic is what is the best source of parenting advice? So before we dive into that, though, I want to back up just a little bit and review some from last week. Last week, the question was, do my children belong to me? And in that discussion, we established that God is the creator of all of us, including our children, and that they actually belong to him and are just on loan to us for a time. And we, as a result of that, we discussed the difference between ownership and ambassador parenting, the two parenting perspectives that are common today. We talked about how ownership parenting is motivated by what parents want from and for their children. Instead, ambassador parenting is about what God and grace has planned to do through us in our children. And just like an ambassador in the government has the job to represent the message, methods, and character of the leader who sent them, we are called to do that for God in the lives of our children. And so this week, we're going to continue a little bit of that discussion as we learn some principles to follow as an ambassador parent and where to go for help on this journey. And so we are starting off, I have a meme here that I have shown to the crowd that is uh, when it's a, it's a picture of Gandorf from the Lord of the Rings holding his staff, looking very serious, ready to go to battle. And the meme says, when you hear your kids wake up in the morning and then you see Gandorf and then it says, so it begins. And that's how it feels sometimes, right? Parenting is hard. And it's getting harder every year. External forces, technology, pressures on our kids are worse than ever. And there are so many competing voices for what to do and how to do it. It's easy to feel overwhelmed. How many of you listen to parenting podcasts? You're listening to this one. So there you go. Think about your favorite parenting book that that you're go-to. How do you choose these things? How do we choose what we put into our minds about parenting? Well, let's back up just a little bit and discuss how parenting is actually an industry. Since the first parenting books were written in the 1700s, the advice has continued to change. Some advice that we have seen through the years came from physicians. Back in the 1700s, mostly doctors wrote the advice, came from a medical perspective. And they told mothers to do things like give their children cold baths if they were sick and to stop breastfeeding at six months of age. And then in the 1800s and 1900s, we had psychologists and scientists weigh in on parenting. And they said things like, Uh, schedule your children's bowel movements to two a day. Yeah, that's going to work. And ignore their crying or not to kiss or hug them at all. Um, These are crazy things, right? But what was touted as truth one day can be proclaimed as damaging the next. My mother used a book that was the number two best-selling nonfiction book for 52 years. Some of you might be familiar with Dr. Spock. He is the one who wrote the book. And my mother used it. And the number one selling book, by the way, what do you think that might have been? It was the Bible, right? And so for um, the only, it was second only to the Bible in the United States for 52 years, this book um, on parenting by Dr. Spock. But it fell out of favor for promoting permissive parenting. And it went by the wayside and other books replaced it. 
But what it did do was open a door, a floodgate of opportunity for parenting books to come behind that, parenting books and resources. And so we, I looked into it and millennials spend an estimated $231.6 million on parenting books and $141 million on parenting apps annually. So it's a huge industry. And it's interesting because for hundreds of years, mothers learned how to parent from their mothers or grandmothers. But with the breakup of communities and families moving apart, trying to find jobs, uh, I certainly didn't have a mother or grandmother speaking into my life. And so I went to parenting resources. Um, and many mothers today look to social media and, and really just that feeling that there's a magic bullet out there somewhere that's going to solve all our parenting woes and that it's just a click away. That's what drives this industry, that there's always something we can do better. And, um, and so I actually went to Amazon and researched parenting. And guess how many resources and titles popped up when I did this? 60,000 resources. Okay, that's an incredible amount. Um, interestingly, though, most of these parenting resources come from an ownership perspective. But to be ambassador parents, everything we choose to take in for wisdom needs to line up with what God says. The books that I'm going to reference this semester absolutely line up with God, and they are the uh, ones that I used as well. Um, but the key thing to remember is that ambassador parenting is about representing the one who sent you, and that is God himself. And if we're going to represent him, we need to know him and what he values. And this takes intentionality on our part. But he tells us if we seek him, we will find him. So let's look at some principles or like a framework, so to speak, to become an ambassador parent. So our principles that we're going to discuss today are, number one, knowing God's word. In order to be an ambassador parent, we must know God's word. Number two, we must talk with him. Number three, we must trust him. So let's go into each one of these. We're going to start with knowing his word. At MomQ, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant, holy, inspired word of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We hold this uh, verse to be one of our primary core uh, beliefs. And so as a result of that, in order to be ambassador parents, we must know God's word. How many of you have a daily quiet time? If you don't already do this, Talk to your mentor mom about how to have a daily quiet time because this is really the first step in knowing the God whom we represent. He invites us into his story by giving us his word. And when we read it, he speaks to us. I don't know about you, but I can read the same verse 50 times. And each time I read it, it ministers to me in a different way according to exactly what I need in that moment. So I encourage you to develop a daily quiet time. Some resources that I can suggest are the YouVersion app and the First 5 app. And I use the YouVersion app almost every day and you can do so many things on that app and set up reading plans and uh, there's even a one-year Bible reading plan that will get you through the Bible in a year. Um, there's also paper copies of the one-year Bible if you prefer that. 
Uh, I did that many years ago, and uh, it was just a, it's a fantastic way to discipline yourself to read through the Bible in a year. But we do need to be reading God's Word so that we can know His Word and hear from Him. And then even a step beyond that, God calls us to grow spiritually. We are supposed to go from solid from milk to solid food. We are to grow from milk to solid food. Paul uses that analogy. And he's talking about how we need to grow in our knowledge of God and in our response to his word. And so in order to do that, we need to be studying it, studying who God is, what his attributes are, and how he wants us to live. Because the Bible is a supernatural book. And as the Holy Spirit guides us, we begin to change. We want to please God. And here's the key. We are able to model this for our children when we learn to do that. There are so many options available for you to study the Bible. If it's something new to you, you can also, again, speak to your mentor mom or to myself afterwards. But Hill Country Bible Church through Saturate Austin Institute offers a class called Bible Study Methods. That is a fantastic way to learn how to study the Bible inductively on your own. There's also Precepts, which is an international Bible study organization that promotes that uh, uses inductive Bible study method. I personally have done many, many precept studies and just absolutely adore them. Uh, most local churches, including Hill Country, have bi- women's Bible studies that meet regularly. Ours uh, here at Hill Country meets on Thursday mornings. And there are many amazing Christian authors of great Bible studies available. Uh, there's BSF and Community Bible Study. If you Google those, uh, it's, a, it's a lot, but whatever will fit your needs is available. So uh, now some of you out there might be thinking, how can I believe the Bible is true? I don't really even believe this. Well, we talked about that last year, and that's fair because I actually didn't believe that either until I started studying it and uh, at the age of 30. And so I just encourage you to, to start studying it. And then last year, I did a message called What Should Be My True North? And that is on our website at momq.org under Topics and Conversations. And I invite you to go and just listen to this message. It has some great information on there, um, why we can educatedly assume the Bible is true. It gives resources that you can look into. So I just encourage you to do that because there's overwhelming evidence that the Bible is the very words of God. So know this, the truth in God's word never changes. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Parenting advice changes. We've already established how much that's changed. But those who have parented through the ages by following biblical principles generally, not always, but generally see the fruit of their labor in children who follow God as adults. And this is illustrated in the well-known Bible verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Solomon whom God gave the gift of wisdom, wrote the Proverbs, which is considered one of the wisdom books. They are not promises from God, but they are principles that if we follow, we can generally see happen in our lives. And the word train up in Hebrew means to dedicate. This is one of the verses that we get our tradition of baby dedications from. The Hebrew people knew that this meant to dedicate a child 
to the house of the Lord. So if we dedicate a child to the house of the Lord, train them early, initiate them early with instruction as early as possible, we can hopefully find that when they are older, they will continue to follow God or come back to him. They sometimes can walk away for a time. My son Luke walked away from God while he was in college, but because of the principles that he was raised up with to know God and love God, he returned to him and we're praising him for that all the time. And so, but this does require more than just taking your children to church on Sundays. We're going to get into more specifics on that in a later message this semester. But standing up for God and his ways is extremely hard today in a culture that is hostile to him. So you can see from this verse, and there are many others that we're going to go into, that knowing God's word can arm us for battle and keep us encouraged. And so if you would take some time to memorize scripture and have your children memorize scripture, that is the best thing you can do in the battle to raise your kids in godly in a godly home. Paul calls the uh, scripture an offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit. It's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God, and it will return, will not, I should say, will not return void. The second principle for ambassador parenting is that we need to talk with God often, all the time even. God invites us into a personal relationship with him through prayer. He promises that he hears us and he will answer. If you're struggling with a situation and need guidance, do you go to God first or do you go to your husband or a friend or a podcast? Think about it. We have direct access to the wisdom of the God who created us, but do we use it? Let's look at a well-known verse on asking God for wisdom. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But he must ask in faith, without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so this verse teaches us two things as we unpack it. The first part of the verse, verse 5, teaches us that we must ask God for wisdom. The people James wrote to had problems with praying. They either weren't asking, they weren't asking boldly enough, or they were asking with wrong motives. Praying can seem intimidating if you're not used to it. I've heard people say things like, God doesn't care about the little things in my life. He has bigger concerns than me. But actually, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. He tells us many times to, to cast our worries on him. In fact, in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And there are many other verses where God tells us to pray continually. To understand this particular verse, though, we need to back up and look at James Two through James 1, 2 through 4, the verses just before these that we're studying. And if we look at it in context, the verses before actually are to count trials as joy. They read, count it all, count it all joy, my brethren, when you suffer trials of many kinds, because the suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance will be complete 
maturing our faith. Now, I paraphrase that a little bit, but you get the point that we are to count trials as joy, James tell us, tells us, because that matures our faith. And then he tells us to ask for wisdom. And so the conclusion that we draw here is that we should not pray to remove the suffering that we are in, but instead ask for wisdom that we don't waste the opportunity that God is giving us in it. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not usually my first thought when I'm in a trial. In fact, we usually do pray, what? For God to take it away. But, but what we can draw from this, these verses is that God is saying, I'm, I'm taking you through this for a very specific purpose, and it is for my glory and your good, and that we are to ask for wisdom and how to get through it and what we can learn from it not that he will take it away. Because if we ask him to remove it, it's like telling him that we know better than him what is good for us. And and we don't. God doesn't make mistakes. His wisdom is infinite and his way is perfect. The second part of what we're reading is verse six, but he must ask in faith without doubting. We are told we must believe we will receive what we ask for. And that's really hard. We doubt God. It's normal to doubt God. The Greek word here for doubt means to hesitate or be uncertain. And sometimes we are uncertain that he's going to answer our prayers. So how do we deal with our doubt? Well, take it to God. Ask him for help. There are many examples in scripture where people ask God to help them in their unbelief. David himself in the Psalms poured out his struggles and unbelief to God, and God would always meet him where he was and help him come to a place where he could accept the struggles. And so um, when we deal with our doubt, God can help us. Ask him, he can take it. When Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to walk on water. But when he got distracted by the wind and the waves, he began to sink. The great theologian and commentator Warren Wearsby says, the greatest enemy to prayer is unbelief. We must deal with our unbelief. And part of this goes through, comes through going through trials, asking for wisdom, and then seeing God's faithfulness. And looking back and remembering what he has done for us does a tremendous amount to take away our doubts. Do you need help with a strong-willed child? Is your child struggling with friendships or being bullied? Or do you have questions about which friends your child should play with? Or maybe you're even trying to decide what school or where to, how to educate your child. Ask God and believe he will guide you through it. And then teach your children to pray for wisdom too. Because when they see you have this lifelong habit, then they will cast their cares on him as well. Another thing that I wanted to mention about prayer is that the concept of praying in Jesus's name. We see a lot in the scriptures that the Lord commands us to pray in his name. And it brings up a question of what that really means. And so I found a great quote from Warren Wearsby again, and it says this, prayer is a privilege. 
But if God is going to answer our prayers and give us peace in our hearts, there are certain conditions that we need to, that need to be met. We must pray in faith, number one, which we just discussed. And then second, we must pray in Christ's name. Now, it's not a magic formula that we automatically attach to our prayer request to guarantee an answer. It means asking what Jesus would ask, what would please him, and what would bring him glory. In other words, God is not a genie in a bottle that we can just rub the lamp and make a wish and our wish will come true. No, he wants us to connect with him and line up our prayers with his heart. When we seek his will and listen to him, we are able to do that. So try taking 30 seconds after you pray to just wait and listen for God's response. If 30 seconds is too long, start with five seconds and then increase it a little bit at a time because you'll be amazed at what you hear. His voice can come as a gentle whisper like it did to Elijah outside the cave. Sometimes he can bring to mind a passage of scripture Sometimes just a feeling of peace or, or feeling his presence. And other times he might direct you to godly counsel. That's an excellent way to hear from God is someone that you know and respect that's a mature Christian. So um, yeah, just checking in and, and taking the time to listen is huge. And then if you're not hearing from God for some reason, Lisa Turquist and her book, Finding I Am, Give some good examples of what can get in the way of hearing from God. Even if we're taking the time to listen, there's certain things that can get in our way. The first one is pride. Sometimes thinking that we already know best cuts us off from humbling ourselves to hear from God. Unconfessed sin is another thing because sin can remain hidden in our hearts and can just get in the way. And so we need to be asking God to show us our sin, show us those things that we might not be aware of, confess those, and then see if we don't hear from God more often. Bitterness and resentment is another thing that can get in the way. Sometimes our hearts just get hard about things and we just need to pray that the Lord would soften our hearts in a deeper way so we can hear from him. Fear, sometimes we don't hear his voice because we're afraid of what he might say. And so we stop hearing altogether. And that's a really scary place to be that we just tune out the Lord because we're afraid he might tell us to do something we don't want to do or step out in faith or something like that. So those are four areas that we can look at in our lives if we're not hearing from God. And then even if you've taken care of all those things and you still don't hear from God, that can just be a season that we're in. And um, don't be discouraged because God could just be saying, wait or not yet. And so just keep praying, listening, and watching, and then learning to trust. And that's our final principle for ambassador parenting is just to trust God. Raise your hand if you've asked God for something good, but he said no. This is especially hard when it's a prayer for our children. And we want to protect them from pain and suffering. And so we sometimes get in the way of the work that God is doing in their lives, but that's not what ambassador parenting about is about. In fact, God uses hardships in their lives to mold them and shape them into his image, just like he does with us. We cannot control what happens to our children. And if we try, we can get in God's way. Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, says, 
Godly character traits can only be developed through adversity. When we model our children an understanding that God's ways are higher than our ways, then we teach them to accept whatever he ordains in their lives for his glory and our good. Sometimes we just want to know why, and it's hard to trust God because we want him to explain to us why we're going through something or why our children are going through something. But this is not God's responsibility to tell us why. He is the creator, sovereign God of our universe, and he knows what's best. Peace can only come when we stop asking why and just trust. And so now I'm going to call up Elise and she's going to interview me about some situations in my life when I had to ask God for wisdom and rely on him and trust him. So we've talked a lot today about going to God for wisdom in our everyday life and in our parenting. So um, we're going to talk about right now um, an example of some a, a situation where Candace was able to do that um, with one of her children in her parenting journey. So Candace, can you tell us about that time where you had to go to God for wisdom in your parenting? Well, there were many times, I mean, every day that I went to God for wisdom in my parenting. Um, but the one that took me to him the most was with my son, Sam. Because raising Sam was a long, um, hard struggle, but God was really faithful along the way. And today it's almost hard to remember just how hard it really was and how far he's come. Can you tell us about some of the struggles that you had with him? So we were always praying for how to best help Sam with all his issues. And, and so I'll start from the beginning that when he was um, an infant, there was something different about him. He's my third, and my he was very different from my other two. He was hard to console. He didn't sleep well. He, he had this thing where he'd startle really easily and constantly wake up. And then by the time he was two and a half, he really wasn't talking, so I got him evaluated, and they gave us some milestones for him to meet, and he started getting speech therapy. Um, about a little bit later, when he was maybe three, he started showing extreme anxiety where he would, every time we'd get in the car, he would ask a hundred times if we had enough gas to get to wherever we were going, just things like that. Um, by the time he was four, he was actually diagnosed with sensory integration disorder because he just couldn't handle anything loud um, or crowds or strange textures or just anything. And so we started seeing an occupational therapist so we were seeing a speech therapist, occupational therapist, and then at five, um, he was just showing some severe impulsivity. Um, one day, just picked up some scissors and was sitting in my lap and cut my necklace in half. And the impulsivity, that's just one example that was, it was so difficult. And so I took him to a pediatrician who said he had, probably had ADHD. Um, we decided not to medicate. Uh, a couple years later, Emotional dysregulation came into the picture and they started, um, they said he might even have bipolar issues because his tantrums were so horrible and went on for over an hour where he would just kick and scream and we'd have to put him in his room and oh my goodness, it just disrupted the whole house. Um, he had, he got diagnosed with dysgraphia and when he was about 10 
Um, it just went on and, and no one could ever quite figure out um, if there was some kind of underlying issue, um, but it just seemed to me like there was something that they were missing. And the medication side effects were always an issue and goodness, just praying to even put him on medicine was a huge thing. Uh, stress on our marriage with our other kids and then of course the expense of all the therapies and the medications, it was a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Um, so when you went to God for wisdom with this circumstance, what did that look like specifically? Well, it looked like um, a daily connection with God where I would spend time every morning as much as I could. Even if it was just while I was making the kids breakfast, I was talking to God. And he led us to good doctors and, and therapists um, he gave us help in making all these decisions about his medications. And one of the biggest things that was such a blessing is that my sister is a PhD in school psychology. And she had a lot of experience with these types of kids and she was so helpful. Um, I was on the phone with her a lot. And then um, I met families with similar struggle, struggles. We had, I had some godly role models in my life that just continued to point me to Jesus. And um, we always, we moved around a lot because of my husband's job, but we were always able to find good churches with strong children's programs and youth ministries. And that really helped Sam. Uh, we had verses that we memorized and helped Sam with his, his anxiety. I prayed for a proper diagnosis and it took many, many years. In fact, it took 20 years to get it, but we finally did get it. And another thing that I, was just such a blessing from God when we needed it was not long after we moved to Austin, as he was in high school, he just couldn't find any friends and he'd find a friend and then they would abandon him. And, and so by the end of 10th grade, I was just praying and praying and God sent this wonderful young man who is still his best friend to this day. So it's really, mm. it was really special. It's a blessing. Um, were there ever, ever moments where you feel like God was silent or not answering your prayers? Yes, many of those moments. Um, it, was, it was so hard to watch my son struggle in school, struggle with friends, just struggle in life. And he, he hated the fits that he threw because he would always be sorry afterwards and he just seemed to have no control. Um, I prayed God to remove these things and he said, no, that wasn't his will. And it actually got worse before it got better because he wanted to go to college and I didn't really feel like he was ready, but uh, he was really smart. And so we, he got into UTD, so we let him go and he got depressed and overwhelmed and stopped going to class and failed math and went back the second semester and thought he was gonna do better, but he just didn't. And so he finished the year with a, um, a 1.9 GPA and we just made the decision not to send him back. And that was really hard. We, we actually made him get a job and work for a year. Um, he didn't. He he did okay, but he didn't love it, and you know he just didn't have any direction. And it was a lot of silence from God. You know, just little things here and there, but not not any real answers. And then one day, after pouring out my heart to God, um, Sam's psychiatrist suggested that maybe he might have Asperger syndrome. And no one had ever suggested that before and it kind of threw me for a loop, but I started researching it and, and there were some things I noticed that he definitely had, but not quite. And so I kept mm. praying and praying. And then one time my sister was with us and she suggested that maybe he had something called social pragmatic communication disorder and we should take him to a speech and language therapist for a diagnosis. And I did. 
And it was there after so many years that they put it all together and told us he was on the autism spectrum. And as hard as this was to hear, it was also an incredible relief because we finally knew how to properly help him and the right therapies and all of that. So we were just praising God for his answer. And it's amazing because now Sam is doing so great. He went back to school and he found his passion in accounting. He ended up graduating, graduating magna cum laude and is currently in the last semester of his master's program in accounting at Texas State. And he already has a job offer that he's accepted. It'll start next June wow. after taking his CPA exams in the spring. And he's just, a, he's an amazing young man. He loves Jesus and tells people about Jesus. So he is, um, he is truly a delight to my soul. With, with God, all things are possible. Mm. What a testimony that that is and an example of God's faithfulness in your life. Um, what would you say, um, how, how did God use this situation to teach you about him? You know, I think the biggest thing is that he taught us that he is always faithful. Always. Even when we don't think he's working on our behalf, he is. And all those things that he ordained in, her in our lives, he used. Nothing was wasted. I mean, I would never have chosen it, but at the same time, it matured my faith so much. I would not be where I am today without it. Um, and Sam as well. And I learned to let go of control. Control was a huge issue for me for most of my parenting life is just trying to control what happened with my kids and how they turned out and everything. And I learned to just give it to God. I had no choice. And I learned to never stop praying. Sometimes it means accepting a no. Sometimes it means accepting a not yet but his ways are higher than our ways. I never wanted my son to suffer, but it made him who he is now, and we just praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Candace. So welcome. So now you've heard my story, and I just want to close with the verse from Lamentations 3, verses 37 through 38. Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? This is about the sovereignty of God. He is in complete control of what happens in our lives. He is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's also good and loving. And again, He allows hard times for His glory and our good. One of the most difficult things to internalize spiritually is that we can trust Him in all things. And this comes the more we go through hard times, trust him, leave it to him, surrender to him, and see his faithfulness. We can worry less and trust his sovereign will more because he is our creator, our provider, our redeemer, and our truth. And so... The question is, what's the best source of parenting advice? The answer is God himself, who is completely sovereign and infinitely wise. Ambassador parenting doesn't have to be as hard as parenting from an ownership perspective because we are walking in the hands of the infinite source of wisdom Again, God 
himself is the best source of parenting advice. Will you seek him first in your parenting starting today?